and welcome to Beauties and Head Cannons, where we're nerdy and you probably are too. I'm Tegan and I'm here today with Lindsay and we're here to talk about monster movies and the overall meta commentary that some of these monster movies can kind of carry with them. Um, it's kind of been an interesting <laughs> um, exploration, I think. Uh, the original or some original monster movies, like they were originally made to be a com certain commentary on something, you know, cultural going on in the world. Um, for instance, some of the original Godzillas were meant to be a commentary on the fallout of, uh, uh, of nuclear devastation and the consequences of using nuclear weapons, um, since that Godzilla was literally created via a bomb drop. So it's interesting to see how that kind of meta narrative kind of shifts to change along with the times. And so that's, I think what Lindsay and I really want to talk about today is how, you know, things have kind of shifted a little bit and how our media shifts with it. So Lindsay. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. So, um, we watched, I, I watched don't look up because it was on Netflix and, um, Tegan told me to, and, <laughs> Um, I, I usually have a really hard time with existential stuff, um, especially the past few years, ex existential dread and, mm. you know, the, the concept of like, we're not here just to work, consume and, and then die. Uh, and I feel like there's been an awful lot of feeling like that. Um, especially like the, not the never ending cycle of the uh, pandemic and then people um, making the choices that they make in regards to how they decide to protect themselves and their families and um, how that kind of impacts everything else that's been going on. So uh, a couple of that with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. And yeah. I know we don't tend to talk politically, but um, it's probably no surprise uh, that this would sort of be weighing on me heavily. I'm, I oh, yeah. kind of tend to refer to myself as an empath and so things like um uh, end of times and end of days movies sort of uh, tend to impact me differently lately um you know and i used to watch things like the day after tomorrow and um i guess even armageddon those kinds of things where that the same sort of concept is um addressed but don't look up does it in a completely different way oh, um, yeah. because you know in the past 20 years social media and um, the media that we consume has given us a completely different outlook on what to believe and how to handle news and um, especially when it comes down to something like bad news so don't look up um, essentially you know spoiler alert.com if you guys <laughs> haven't seen it yet um, and you you know want to please turn this off come back later um, as well as uh, the other, you know, any of the Godzilla movies or King Kong movies that we are going to talk about, um, because I'm pretty sure uh, Tegan's going to try and convince me to watch those too, if I yes. am not already convinced. Um, <laughs> because what's funny is like, these are movies that I don't normally seek out on my own. So yeah. when I did watch them, I'm like, oh, okay. All right, then I guess this, this does have um, something to present. And you know, what's funny is the the consensus was sort of divided on, on yeah. uh, Facebook, on social media, about whether or not they were good or not. I had um, equally friends that I respect and um, respect their their uh, choices, decisions, and opinions, 
but half of them were like, nah, don't watch it. It's whatever. And <laughs> half of them were like, oh, boy, this is um, pretty relevant for what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. And the coolest part about Don't Look Up is that it really addresses like social media and how we respond to it. And the concept of media being good news and needing to put in a good swing on things that don't have good swings that shouldn't be good swings mm-hmm. and i don't remember that happening in movies like the day after tomorrow and armageddon like it wasn't so it wasn't centered around making sure that there wasn't a growing sense of dread panic um that's essentially what it was was panic even if you come down to a movie like the stand um by stephen king which is much older um it's it was all centered around panic people were getting sick um the the disease that was running rampant and killing people was something to be feared and to be and to run from and everybody was getting sick and everybody was dying so um the concept of like trying to put a nice a fun spin on something like a meteor going to hit the earth and a and a planet ending meteor um one that's going to devastate the entire planet a dinosaur meteor as it were Mm -hmm. is is really scary and no one very few people took it seriously yeah i I, that was what was so tragically sad and tragically funny about this movie is how upsetting it was (laughs) yeah like i think that's something that movies haven't really leaned into that much is the aspect of including social media and the power that it can wield in influencing people and you know just with hashtags with you know misinformation disinformation being you know distributed so so easily it's yeah it's truly relevant And, and i know that the movie was initially like written and you know presented with um just the concept of global warming in mind, but it coming out also in the middle of a pandemic is just like kind of a one, two yeah. punch. <laughs> like it's yeah. It, it, it hit really close to home. Yeah. Places. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, you know, I, hope- I, I highly advise, you know, if you know, you're still listening and you haven't seen it yet. Um, I, I really do advise you to, you know, be careful if you're very prone to having like, existential depression or you know anxiety or panic attacks because you know i can really see how you know people who are sensitive to this kind of thing will you know react to this movie and it you know i I, you know i i wouldn't want any of y'all to you know harm yourselves mentally by watching it but you know obviously if you can handle it i do highly recommend watching it because just presenting the power of a propaganda machine like a president or, you know, social media, you know, swaying one way or the other, you know, news being prioritized by hits rather than by, you know, actual relevance. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's a lot to take in and kind of consider for your own lives and what you consume and what, you know, you allow yourself yeah. to consume <laughs> on social media. Like, like how, how you warned me. <laughs> No, so, so Tegan warned me and yeah. made sure that I knew about it just so that I could make sure I was in, like, the right headspace to watch this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, and honestly, given uh, maybe two years ago had I had, had watched this, I would have uh, probably had a really rough time uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. because of just some of the things that are addressed. And, you know, like the cringy bits, like the, the president who is played by 
the um, amazing uh, Meryl Streep. Oh my gosh, right? yeah. Right? Wasn't it Meryl Streep? Yeah. Um, and that was amazing. Just was so cringy and so weird and so strange. But like in the sense where I feel like it was weird and strange, but um, very uh, uh, relevant uh, mm-hmm. for some things that have happened um, in, in yeah. the climate recently. And <laughs> uh, just like the most weird events that happen the idea of uh news anchors um coming up with uh, fun ways and and like the the affair that leonardo dicaprio's character has um with gosh i didn't even recognize her um but it was kate blanchett who played mm-hmm. the the anchor woman yeah and i, I didn't recognize her either i had no idea that was her <laughs> yeah we, we saw her name in the opening credits and I was like, yeah, sure. Cool. This is, this sounds like a pretty good cast. And then, um, you know, of course I recognize Timothy Chalamet and a few other people who show up, uh, who have, you know, been around for a while, but I was like, I, who was Kate Blanchett exactly? And then I had to go back and, and like see a picture of her in, you know, look at a still and be like, okay, all right. Yeah, I guess that was her. Okay. Yeah. Um, but just like the, the weird, relationships that these people have and completely inappropriate relationships mm-hmm. um hill's character is like the secretary or he's like the he's the assistant to the president and that's his mom and i was yeah. like no and he says really ridiculous things like oh you know if she wasn't my mom it was just so ridiculously relevant yeah i, I, <laughs> I feel like I, this and movie I was losing my mind too because like <laughs> No, go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I feel like this movie, like, it could not have been made like 10 or 15 years ago, not with these characters, because nobody would have taken it the way that they do now. Like, there's, that context is missing. Right. And I feel like it's one of those movies, like, maybe further on down the line, maybe a few decades from now, people watching it for the first time might think it a little ridiculous. Hopefully they'll think it's ridiculous. And... You know, it, oh, it'll so. be like a whole like little commentary now on this weird little microcosm that this, you know, late 2010s, early 2020s has fed into. Yeah. And so and, and the funny part about it, too, is, you know, relating this to um, us living in a pandemic time and mm-hmm. the commentary on how um, how things had been affected. Right. So the pandemic wasn't isn't hopefully um you know whatever you subscribe to but i i um specifically wanted to talk about how they politicized the uh meteor oh yeah or whatever it was oh yeah to to be um something that uh don't look up was the chant of those who were you know deniers of it um Mm -hmm. so even though they you know couldn't see it um, you know, if they didn't look up, they wouldn't see it. And therefore that made it not true or not real, um, versus those who were looking up and then, um, near the end of the movie could see it and yeah. didn't know it to be true. Um, in the same way that something like a pandemic might be something that you don't see or hasn't affected your life. Um, but, uh, and so you can deny it all you want until it does, um, in, in a similar way. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciated that commentary and the ridiculousness of the situation, right? Because 
because yeah. even in the very end when they they also you know financially incentivized the um this natural disaster as well so mm -hmm. it was um this ridiculous idea that they could um take apart the comet while it was on its way to earth and then um harvest the materials because the materials were supposed to be very um very expensive very very valuable yeah very <laughs> especially valuable. in the tech sector and right and so they tried they they talked about how they were going to um be able to harvest that and when that didn't work um you know spoiler alert it it and you know like you i didn't there wouldn't be a movie if it was gonna work guys well so yeah let's be serious so that, yeah that happened in, in the movie and i was like okay that's clearly not how this movie is gonna end and then and by the end of the movie i'm like well if it doesn't hit and kill everyone i'm gonna be kind of disappointed <laughs> like <laughs> what did we just watch um <laughs> but the um you know in, in the last scene where they're all in the house and they um film it so that the, the everything's just crumbling around them i was like <sighs> in my feels right because i don't even like these people and um i mean they're, they're great but they're also like the anti-heroes in a way they were told they told everybody and um you know leonardo dicaprio's character his family is just like devastated by choices he made um to try and like you know use the popularity to tell everyone what was going to happen and then it it it, it didn't work and all he really has is his family left and and his intern and it was just so like i, I was just in my feels at, at yeah. the end of that movie and i just really felt so like called out and you know when when a movie is a call to action and you really like feel it that was that was that moment for me and and likewise with skull island too mm -hmm. right so um there have been times in the past where movies uh, especially like the original Godzilla movie where they talk about um, the, I don't know what the word is, but like the eternal um, uh, desire to militarize and to, mm -hmm. to conquer and kill whatever we don't know or don't understand or um, to kind of like prove safety or prove um, immunity, even though that's not necessarily something that's right or good for the planet or for the greater people in the world, right? And mm -hmm. and it really bothers me that there are so many movies out there like this, and it's probably one of the reasons why I stay away from them, to be honest. Um, but while watching Skull Island, I was absolutely super irritated by Samuel Jackson's character because he has no reason, after he finds out that his last man has been has you know is dead mm -hmm. to go back and decide that he wants to he just wants to kill kong just because he can yeah a and it's like uh, just get your butt off the island dum dum and leave it leave it be um which is great because you know after having uh seen the the natives that live there and the way that kong protects the island um uh, Tom Hiddleston's character and um, Weaver is Brie Larson's character. They go back and they want to save Kong, and I I loved that bit. Like that was that was a great testament to to them understanding the um, severity of the issue. But I really wanted Samuel Jackson's character to just bite it. Yeah, Once he was just like, "Oh, I'm gonna do it because I can with some napalm and just." Uh, 
cause destruction and chaos and because I can like ugh. and there was this, this like underlying well I have to do it because people shouldn't know that this exists like what also if if an island has a perpetual storm around it you don't go f- trying to figure <laughs> out what's inside the storm I know, that is right? like that is the universe's way of telling you to leave leave well enough alone like seriously the the minute i i saw the storm as they were like going towards it and i was like wait what what are they doing and jason looks at me and he's like oh it there's a perpetual storm around the island and i looked at him and i rolled my <laughs> eyes and i was like really that's that they decide that they want to go chart it because there's a perpetual storm seriously that should have been everybody's red flag and then there's no movie so yeah, okay um <laughs> So tell me about <laughs> I'm I'm going to talk forever about this because it's, I'm so like whatever. But <laughs> should I watch Godzilla? What what is Godzilla's thing? Like I all I know is that he's like a lizard person. Yeah, and so monster thing. Well, the interesting thing is um so you watched Kong Skull Island, so you saw like Monarch. You you saw that organization, you know, basically yes. like trying to keep on its legs and everything like that. Well, by the time the God, the movie Godzilla takes place, you know, it has been well established now. They found all of these like um alpha and like animals or you know quote-unquote monsters but they you know just classify them as animals um so there's like different locations around the world that they found that you know these like monsters exist and so like that's that's where like you know you get different um ones coming in like Godzilla like Mothra like Rodan and King Ghidorah so that's basically centered around like you know they found a whole bunch and now Godzilla is obviously like one of them so it's shifting the narrative just a bit from the um, original Godzilla movies that were coming out. Whereas in those movies, man created Godzilla with, you know, nuclear weapons. And, you know, it was basically, you know, discussing the, um, the consequences of using nuclear weapons. And I mean, what better way to do that than have a giant lizard devastate Tokyo or whatever Japanese town that they have decided he's going to pop up in. Um, But now in these new uh line of movies uh, they're taking the angle that Godzilla and you know these animals like him have essentially always been present so they represent this nature and a certain balance in nature and um do you mind if I spoil a little bit of uh King of the Monsters for you no go ahead okay so um in King of, in King of the Monsters I I recommend watching Godzilla first and then King of the Monsters because it it leads kind of right into each other. It's very good. Um, but in King of the Monsters, you know, Godzilla wakes up and Mothra wakes up. And so they, they represent, you know, a certain nature, a certain balance. And these terrorists wake up this creature called King Ghidorah. Um, this very rare, very almost unheard of creature. And what we find out is that Ghidorah is actually not from Earth. He's not a, he fell from, I, I think their explanation was like a meteor from space brought him here or something like that. But essentially, like he is alien. He is not a part of this Earth. He's not a part of the natural balance. And so what man introduced, you know, what man encouraged <laughs> to happen um upset the balance of nature and so obviously Ghidorah goes on a rampage and he and Godzilla fight and 
man tries to interfere with the fight. And all that really happens is that Godzilla ends up almost mortally wounded and Ghidorah is totally fine. And Godzilla was essentially like the only monster that can really stand toe to toe with Ghidorah. So like without him, it's like you've really messed your chances up now. So it it really kind of hit home that, you know, obviously there is like, you know, we have a balance, certain balance in nature and all of the things that we are doing that we are exacerbating um, uh, climate change you know, we're making things worse. And, you know, if we keep going, it's going to get out of hand. You know, if we go too far, nature's not going to be able to correct itself, you know. So I I know that's like seemingly an odd take for a movie about a bunch of giant animal monsters or like animals of legend. But I, I mean, really that common, you know, a greater commentary has kind of always been in the Godzilla franchise again they've just kind of I think shifted it a little bit to kind of fit into a more modern context and a more you know modern message if that makes sense well yeah but it's also kind of like cool you know that Mm -hmm. that there is a a bigger uh, a bigger story because honestly there are those people who want and need a bigger story and need a bigger meaning to whatever they're watching Mm mm-hmm And I mean, also, it is like just a visually cool monster movie as well. Like, I I think it's I think those movies kind of strike a nice balance between it's just, you know, a straight up monster movie. They're going fighting each other, you know, and everything. But then it also just has this commentary, if you look for it, that is present in there. So, again, I, I think it's very much in line with, you know, kind of the legacy of the original Godzilla and like, you know, other monster movies, like with Mothra and Rodan and all, all of those lovely characters. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be really interesting to see or to kind of like revisit and dissect whether things like uh, Predator and um, Alien mm-hmm. have a like a foretelling um, doomsayer kind of uh, arc or not. Um, oh, I, I know that time since I've seen Predator. Well, I know that Alien specifically does have like an anti-corporate message. Okay. Um, I know, okay. I know. There's like a lot of yeah. And to uh, be fair, like I don't remember Predator really, so yeah, yeah. But it, it it's just really interesting that you know I, I know a lot of people just think of like Godzilla or they think of these kinds of movies and they're like, oh, well, it's just you know, it's just a, like a monster movie. It's a monster movie, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but well, that's I, what's interesting to me is that that's how I felt too. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that kind of thinking. And yeah. so looking at it from a different, from a different angle is, is very refreshing for me, I guess. Yeah. I well, I, I think I part it. of that is, you know, with things like, you know, Hollywood blockbusters and, you know, this wide range of genres that we have available now, it's easy sometimes to forget that film is just a form of art And just like, you know, other forms of art, like uh, books, you know, writings, um, paintings, you know, obviously there is a surface to it, but then, you know, there can be that message hidden underneath it because that is what a lot of art is. So, you know, it it can be easy to forget that. (laughs) And I totally understand because, you know, so many movies out there are, are just, you know, they feel like these soulless corporate, you know, 
put together things that, you know, that they've pulled things out of these algorithms of what they think people want to see and then have just mashed them all together. So it's, yeah, I, I totally get it. It's, it's like, oh, we, we got a, we got a good one sneaking through here, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, do you have a gaming corner today? Uh, I do have uh, a little bit of a gaming corner. Um, so as you all know, at the end of last month, or at the mid- about the middle of last month, uh, Horizon Forbidden West was released. Um, the much-anticipated sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn, which I played and I enjoyed thoroughly. Um, and so I-, I was excited to play Forbidden West. You know, I really do not normally just buy a game like at full price I you know I I wait for sales you know but this was one because of the story and because of the history I've had with the developer I felt comfortable enough to go ahead and pay to go ahead and play it on day one and I do not regret that decision at all like not at all (laughs) ordinarily I might but in in this case, abs- it was absolutely worth every dime. I cons- I was utterly consumed by this game for just a week straight. I was going through doing every little errand and side quest I could, looking around this magnificent world and, you know, getting to know all the new characters that we got to know. Plus, you know, seeing them interact with some of the older characters that, you know, we know and that we love and that we're familiar with. It was just really, really good and refreshing. So... Uh, I know this is a short little review, but I gotta say, um, Horizon Forbidden West, absolutely 10 out of 10, loved it. Oh, also loved that they have a stash feature now, so you don't have to worry about, uh, all that strict inventory management that you did in Zero Dawn. I, that is probably one of the best things that they've added into the game. So yes, go check it out if you get a chance. I don't think you'll be disappointed, especially if you've played the, uh, the previous game. Awesome. Very cool. So I think I have um, done my rant on (laughs) these two movies and kind of like the social commentary that is uh, the media that we get to consume now. Um, Mm -hmm. I, you know, encourage everyone to go watch it. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be binging a couple of the uh, Godzilla movies (laughs) this weekend um, just to kind of uh, see what they did with it and kind of um, I'm expecting the best. So... (laughs) I'm excited. Um, we also do have a lot of really cool things coming up. Uh, I told Tegan that they need to watch the trailer for Obi-Wan Kenobi and the trailer for uh, The Secrets of Dumbledore because, you know, the fandoms that we subscribe to, I am excited to see the new things that are coming out. Um, I am excited that Evan McGregor's back and I've seen some videos of Hayden Christensen Um working with him for some stuff and I just am elated. It's going to be six episodes and the release date for Obi-Wan Kenobi was posted. Uh, it's like May 25th. So of course Ooh. May um, for of Star course. Wars. And I am just elated. I couldn't be more excited because, um, you know, I'm done with Boba Fett and uh, yeah, it's just time for more. I love the idea of going back and seeing what happened with Obi-Wan between that time. And I'm just excited. I'm excited all the time. Um, I'm also (laughs) kind of sad about uh, Secrets of Dumbledore. I know that there was issues with Johnny Depp and um, they recast Grindelwald. uh, 
and I understand, like, you know, they're trying to, I, I get it, I understand what's happening, but I don't have to like it, and there was a lot of controversy around that, and his, um, and his recasting, so yeah, I, I, yes, so I, I know what happened, but I also, yeah, um, but, uh, there's a lot of other, you know, there's a lot of other great actors in in those movies, and I a lot of fa- familiar faces look like they're showing up again, um, and that that makes me excited. I, uh, you know, I think that their era for the magical world is kind of kind of fun to to dabble in and to look at, and I'm excited for that to to be coming out too. I can't remember when it's supposed to come out but i do know that um, it seemed relatively soon so do not be surprised if uh one of us wants to talk about that soon um (laughs) probably me uh and (laughs) as always if there's something that you'd like to hear us talk about or if you want me to talk to jason about something ridiculous or any of the (laughs) guests that we've had recently or in the past um they, you know, just need you to tell us or for us to tell them to, to get back on here. I'm, I'm sure that Tegan would love to talk with Lee again, too, about something oh, yeah. that's um, <laughs> happening with them. So uh, let us know and give us ideas. And we lo- love to talk nerdy to each other while you listen. But, geez, we'd really love for you to talk nerdy to us. So with that, as usual, I am Lindsay. And I'm Tegan, and thanks for getting nerdy with us today on Beauties and Headcanons. Cannons.